Welcome everyone to this next installment of the Clinically Pressed Injury Series. We're working our way up the body, and so for this one we are going to cover medial tibial stress syndrome, or more commonly known as shin splints, and we're going to talk about how that gets confusing, and just all the different things that you could potentially be dealing with, and just where some of the confusion happens with this, and also some ideas about how to fix it. Uh, it's a very complex injury in that there's so many factors that go into it and it's one that takes a while to heal um, and correct which is also difficult to do sometimes um, reasons for that being is this isn't one that it's necessarily like an ankle sprain where it's acute it happens right away it is typically chronic in nature in that it's going to take hundreds if not thousands of steps or things like that that are going to end up causing it to be a thing and then so when you have to go back and try and fix it you can't always expect that it's going to happen in a day or two so getting into it uh the one that we want to talk about specifically to start off is the anatomy of this and the differential diagnosis there's so many things that co could go along with this typically you see the quote-unquote shin splints on the anterior side on the front side of your shin so right on the tibia there uh, where it's just right off the bone extremely painful uh, for us we typically see this more in sprinting athletes uh, for whatever reason being up on the toes trying to uh, drive force through this is where we typically see it more often in that location could be other sports but typically there the more common one or the medial tibial stress syndrome is on the inside of that tibia right next to your calf um, going right down the side and that can range from anywhere from just being like an inch or two of pain all the way down to being along the full uh, border of the tibia on the medial side so when we talk about differential diagnosis here's this one part of it so it could be straight muscles it could be a strain of those medial flexor muscles it could be a tendonitis um, within those muscles down in the tendons as they wrap around your uh, medial malleolus it could be um, a compartment syndrome in just that deep medial compartment which is one that we've looked into recently also just with that there could be some obviously bone involvement and that could be from the muscles and their attachment through fascia and whatnot pulling on the bones and if you're looking at this through video you can see on this zoomed in where the periosteum the outside of the bone is actually changing because of the way that the muscle is pulling on it uh, so if you're just listening to that it's basically causing it to not be super smooth and nice um, on that outside cortex of the bone but actually putting some jaggedness in it which can bring about some pain so that's where it's really hard to know exactly what is going on but as we get talking it doesn't necessarily change your treatment plan uh, depending on what uh, official diagnosis that you come up with if you get more um, specific than just saying medial tibial stress syndrome or something like that so this next one is just looking at when we start going down the stress injury um, train of the bone uh, we've had a lot of conversations um, amongst ourselves about what what is a stress fracture do we call it a stress fracture what defines 
that in terms of like when you say stress fracture, is it because there's an actual fracture line present or are we just referencing changes in the bone? And so what we've tried to kind of switch to is we just say stress injury to the bone because typically with these, if you're looking at this with the x-ray, you can see where the calcium and the cloudiness is happening on the bone, indicating healing's going on there or some remodeling, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we had a fracture line. And so we just try and keep it more um, grammatically um, correct in terms of what we're saying with it. So x-rays is always where we start. They're hard to see on x-rays, especially when we talk about the tibia, just because of the density of the bone. And oftentimes we're not getting to a point where there's actually a fracture line. But x-rays are a good place to start, can show us some stuff. Um, with that. So if we have to go there, it saves us a lot of testing and radiation. So we'll use that. The next one is a bone scan. Uh, we didn't get an MRI one. I wouldn't be confident in giving you a great explanation of an MRI one uh, to indicate a stress injury in that. But with a bone scan, basically what you're doing is you're drinking um, reactive calcium that will then show up in the scanning machine. And so if you're looking at these, you can see there's a bunch uh, a couple different really darkened spots that show up along the point of the tibia i believe potentially fibula in this example it's hard to tell with the resolution of the picture i found but that's showing that there's reuptake of calcium going there so that some form of healing is occurring which is going to be highly indicative of a stress injury occurring in that area so then that is where we would use this as a confirmation of some sort of stress injury going on to the bone and aiding in our creation of a return to activity plan in terms of what that looks like. So kind of going back with that, and we'll talk about the initial treatments here pretty soon, um, how your foot interacts, and if you've looked at any of our previous injury series, this picture's probably getting a little redundant, but how you are walking around on a daily basis, how you are running and what your form looks like what shoes you utilize if you're over correcting under correcting trying to get normal all plays a huge role in this again as we mentioned in the beginning this isn't typically the injury that just shows up randomly tomorrow um, without having some confounding factors of building it up well over time over hundreds and thousands of steps or tens of thousands of steps that are causing these muscles and these bones to put have more stress on them than they need to uh, when it comes to that. So we'll get into more of the treatment part of dealing with these types of things when you have a different foot alignment here later in the talk. Initial treatment and care. This is another common one, unfortunately, for our lower extremities, but immobilizing to reduce pain. Um, scans and imaging are all good they're very helpful they give you a great idea of what's going on uh, some people would argue are they necessary and i can go either way on this uh, a lot of times more information is good information but we're still going to treat you per the symptoms so if you have pain walking around and obviously more pain when you're in activity we need to do something to control that pain and then use that pain as our guide as we're coming back so for all of ours it's initial in the boot potentially then to crutches if need be if they aren't able to walk around pain-free in the boot as we work through the boot we can then look to going to back into a shoe for just walking and then we start down our progression of adding running 
and more activity depending on what sport um, you're looking to get back to. Other initial treatment care, super tight, post low leg posterior musculature, your gastroc and your soleus plays a huge role in this and most of us are super tight through this. If we were to look at dorsiflexion tests, either with a straight knee or a bent knee, most of us are lacking some range of motion here. So this is something, especially early on, you can work on if it's not causing pain. We don't really recommend rolling out right along those medial tibial flexors if they're super tender um, and point sensitive because of the injury. But you can work in the areas all around it in order to help uh, get yourself going on the rehab portion. Uh, we didn't include it, but working on the bottom of your foot um, and loosening up anything through there as well can be highly beneficial. You could look to do some sort of taping uh, with this. This is something uh, we'll talk about a little bit here uh, in a second when we talk about our taping and bracing. It's going to help lend a little bit of support, especially when we talk about kinesiology taping, but it can be that helpful reminder of keeping you in a better position with your foot, your arch, how your ankle stacked to then um, really help out and reduce those symptoms. This might be something that would be really good in a transition from the boot back to normal everyday shoes in order to help provide you some assistance with that. Modalities that work, and the reason we have this, and if you're just listening, it's a young kid kind of giving you the I don't know, is we don't know that there are any that quote-unquote work the best uh, when it comes to this. We've had things that we've had success with with certain people, but it doesn't always mean that it's going to work for everybody. So uh, we say this with kind of a very big asterisk next to it to make sure that we aren't giving any false pretenses. Uh, when we look at some just pain control modalities, this isn't this picture isn't a great picture for the placement of the pads, but we weren't able to find one. Um, electrical stimulation can help um, both in reducing pain, which we would use more of a bipolar or premodular setup. We would go high and low along the medial border, or if it's an anterior, high and low across the anterior border of the tibia. And with that, in those two settings, we're just trying to get everything to calm down. Um, one that we've found is with Russian stim, which is a certain setting on the machines. Um, we're actually trying to overstimulate the noxious uh, pain fibers within the area that we're treating in order to kind of get a refractory period um, of that. So this would be something we'd utilize if we feel like we need to get someone through a practice or a competition in order to kind of get to the next step till we can get some rest uh, where we'll have to go and we'll crank up, go about 10 seconds on, 10 seconds off of the stem, and get it to a point where it's just painful enough without being too painful in order for the person uh, to be able to get out and do what they want to do, um, or at least get through as much of a practice as they can in order to keep advancing on from there. Soft tissue work, like we had mentioned before, with the foam rollers could be huge. Um, this is a good example of trying to work on some dorsiflexion through the soleus uh, with a bent knee, trying to feel how far we can drive that knee forward. Um, that might also be something we would want to look at Taylor relocation, which we talked about in the ankle injury video, um, just to make sure that nothing physically is blocking our ability to have the dorsiflexion. That's just going to allow the muscles to move better. Uh, this would be an example of maybe a pin and stretch or active release technique um, once they get through there. But after testing out uh, that 
range of motion in the ankle. Just another version of soft tissue work utilizing eye stem or instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization to help clear up some of the tightness in your calves. Um, this is a great option. Um, many people get a lot of benefit of this. Again, this is just trying to work to help take stress off those medial flexors, which again, we can work into later and get a little bit more intense, but early on, if they're really fired up, that's not something we highly recommend because odds are you're just going to make it worse. Um, if they feel like you want to get something done right away, we're big on ice cup because then you can get a little bit of a massage, but you also have that cooling, um, which people seem to really enjoy and get them kind of past that first initial hump. And this is just another option uh, that we also like. It's a voodoo band, voodoo floss band. Got to be careful with this one because you are basically per putting a tourniquet on, but it has compression and shearing and all the different forces that we could apply in soft tissue without having too much compression, and it's not specific. Uh, so that can really help in terms of just getting um, things moving through that can help pin down some tissues and help just kind of shear everything into a better state of getting moving. Going to taping and bracing, uh, this is where we can have a whole other discussion and we will do that. We'll make sure we make note of it. On the type of shoe that you should wear, um, putting in an insert or an orthotic, uh, in this case you could do that, which is going to go on, it's going to help support your arch, which is going to let your ankle and not everything roll medially or pronate, which is going to take pressure off uh, those muscles as the tendons come around and come underneath. If this isn't dropped, these can sit more normal and their attachment site further up the tibia will be in a more natural place. Uh, one thing we want to be careful with this is that we don't overcorrect, so you're not in an overly supportive shoe, plus a corrective um, orthotic or insert. And now we're just piling it on and can almost overcorrect, which can still cause a lot of problems for you. This is where, for us, what we like to start with is just some simple arch taping. Gives really good um, diagnostic and just treatment support in that we can support that medial arch, take some stress off those muscles coming down the medial border. And if it works, now we can potentially look into something a little bit more permanent like an insert or an orthotic. Um, a lot of times for our athletes, if we decide to go insert orthotic, Dr. Scholl's um, and some of those other generic ones, Spenco, are really good. Um, they're about all you need to get going with. You may need to go to custom orthotics, but they're a great place to start for not a ton of money. Uh, so we highly recommend that in terms of just getting started with things. From there, the kinesiology tape is another option for that. Again, not quite as supportive. Um, it's not meant to be, but it is great feedback. So this could be a great rehab tool um, as well as you're working on just trying to functionally correct all of these things. Uh, that would be a really good option. Uh, see it a lot with runners um, specifically, but also in other sports as something to wear during the game, just as that little bit of uh, feedback, which can also just generally help out and make things feel better. When it comes to calf sleeves, it's really up to you. Sometimes the compression can feel really good. Other people hate it. Um, to me, they're fine as a tool, but it's not an end-all be-all. Because again, with any of these things, as I've talked about this, and I should have put it out there earlier, 
it's a tool in helping you to get back, but it's also a band-aid on the problem. We're not actually correcting anything by just putting these on. They may feel good, and that's great, but we still need to try and get down to the root of the problem and try and correct it for some long-term um, relief or potentially, quote-unquote, curing this um, injury. So, again, while they're good to use, I think sometimes it becomes too much of a crutch because the effort and the work required to fix it is a lot um, and takes time, and it's hard to be patient. Um, but we'd highly recommend not just falling back onto some external thing in order to help get it corrected. Going into rehab, um, again, this is a really long process, um, but it's one that is worth it in the end. So we want to work all the way from the foot up. Having more strength and control in the foot will then, like we had mentioned before, help take an arch that potentially was collapsing, which was dropping the ankle into a pronated state or towards the medial side, which is going to put a bunch of pressure and stress on these tendons as they're getting pulled down this way it's going to hurt further up the chain where they are um, originating from talked about balance and our other ones same things apply here when we're working on things like that really trying to work on getting the balance to go all the way across our foot um, and not cheat on some of those exercises because it can be easy to just sit on the outside of your foot and balance but if you really try and force it down you will feel muscles in your foot and through your low leg working that weren't working kind of going through it the easy way so we really really want to focus on that general ankle strengthening can be really good um, those muscles that we keep referring to on the medial side do um, inversion so helping strengthen them can be really beneficial there uh, dorsiflexion the one in the upper left or pulling your toes towards you uh, is for that anterior tip muscle. Uh, gets a lot of stress put on it, so that's a great one to make sure that is strong and help having that dorsiflexion there. And then we start getting into just some more quote-unquote functional. Um, if you're looking at this, it's a very basic picture, but a lot of unstable surfaces, trying to do some single-leg balance things while moving and reaching for things with the opposite foot. Um, I like doing a lot of this stuff barefoot, uh, at least in the rehab setting, because I think it's going to make all the muscles in your foot work a little bit more. Um, not necessarily always good to do it in shoes. We might become too reliant on them just for simple things that we should be able to handle. Uh, but this, again, focusing on our foot placement and our weight distribution through the foot is really important to make sure we're getting the maximum benefit out of doing these rehab exercises. And that just ties in again, we got to work all the way up the kinetic chain. And the picture here is just showing hip exercises and some more quote-unquote functional ones. Um, like lateral band walks are great for getting the outside of your hips um, to really engage um, squatting on unstable surfaces where you got to get your foot engaged. All things are going to be beneficial because if we can keep our hips and our then hence our knees down to our feet in a better alignment we're going to put a lot less stress on those muscles uh, that typically get fired up when it comes to uh, medial tibial stress syndrome or any type of shin splint this is another rehab exercise that we had before it's rotational arch work great for these medial flexors 
take your time, go slow. Doesn't have to be quick, but it's also it's just a really effective set of exercises to utilize when it comes to that. Moving up the kinetic chain, this is where we'll get into a little discussion about running form. Um, if you are a nothing uh, first disclaimer, there's no perfect running form. Some will sell you that, some won't. Um, I think there's better, more efficient running forms, but some really high level runners um, don't use these next two methods. They don't necessarily run on their forefoot or their midfoot. And guess what? They're still really, really good. Um, they don't have a ton of injuries. So we always say you got to find the one that works for you. So the one that we do caution on is like full on heel strike where it just feels like your body's getting jarred every time you run. And so where you're going in, breaking with your heel basically, then rolling through, but your bones and your joints are taking the brunt of that force uh, when you do that. Uh, that is extremely hard on your body. We want to use the muscles as shock absorbers to go through that. And by going into a good um, running method where we're able to do that, that can really help. And that brings us to the pose method. Basically, what we're looking to do with this is you're using gravity and just you're using your hamstrings as a piston in order to propel yourself along. So the one on the left, if you are just listening, is the pose where you're kind of landing midfoot, forefoot, depending on who you ask. Those are synonymous. You can kind of put them together. A midfoot strike is really hard to accomplish um, just in terms of like actually seeing it. So somewhere in the mid to the front of your foot. But you're actually like then leaning forward, like in image number two, to where you're feeling like you're about to kind of almost fall. And so, and then in part three, you're just pulling your foot through with your hamstring. So you're not pushing off. And trust me, if you try this um, running exercise and you're trying to push off from your calves on your forefoot, you will know you did it wrong the next day because your calves will hurt tremendously. Um, they will get worked way too much and you will know that you did not pull through um, like you should have been. But basically by doing this, we're never landing with all our weight directly going down through our legs um, like you could with a heel strike. You're almost just tapping and scraping across the pavement to keep propelling yourself forward. And that's the fall version. And if you spend some time on this and work on it, it is really beneficial. Highly recommend the book. We'll put a link to it um, in the notes of the video. Uh, easy read, great drills in it. Um, very good. Well worth it. Um, another version of that is uh, chi running. This is a great example of the upright running that they have, where if you've got your heel out in front of you, you're braking, you can see all the red hot spots on it where you're going to take the brunt of that force while you're running. <coughs> Whereas with the chi running, you're going more straight up and down, everything in the body is aligned, using muscles again to absorb that force. Still a little bit of a forward lean, makes a big difference. Um, in terms of how hard your body is taking the brunt of that running. So again, if you're able to maintain it upright and your heel striking, like in the picture on the right, you're probably going to be okay. It's when you get it way out in front of your body and that you're breaking substantially is when you're going to have some issues and some problems. So putting this all back together, like this is a huge kinetic chain issue. Um, 
all the way from the foot to the hip. Again, typically chronic in nature, just comes over and over and over with time. Really hard to deal with there, but it is so worth taking the time to get it corrected. Get the muscle strong, get things loose. Working on your running technique in order to maximize your ability to do it and do it pain-free. So with that, if you have any questions, feel free to comment or send us a message. We're happy to try and get some more um, information out to you. And until our next injury series, have a good rest of your weekend.